and, and this is what every pastor needs to understand. There's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. It is not a pastor. Thank you for joining Unapologetic Kingdom Podcast today. We've got a good lineup for you. We're going to talk about the order of things, authority, uh, things in the church, things in the home. I think you'll enjoy it. Stay tuned. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Daniel 3.16 For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land, and dwell therein forever. Psalm 37, 28, 29 This is the Unapologetic Kingdom Podcast. Um, God has a specific order to things. Um, and you see this throughout the Bible, even in the Old Testament. You see when God gives instructions to Noah to build the ark, he gives him a very set of specifics, a very set of uh, um, very detailed um a manual on exactly what is to be made of, how it's to be made, what size, etc., etc. Uh, if you look at the tabernacle, uh, there's this very specific way that it should be done. If you look at the Ark of the Covenant, it's a very uh, a specific way that it should be done. And, the, and there, there's this kind of pattern, this theme that, that kind of goes. The, so, pa- the word pattern even is used uh, when Moses went to the mount and he is supposed to build the tabernacle according to the pattern that was shown to him in the mount. God is the God of order. Yeah, and um, I think to kind of display this, I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read a scripture, a very common setting of scripture, and it's it's talking about a very specific topic. But I think we can look at the scripture and say, okay, this is this is also an overarching thing about God, an an overarching attribute about God. Um, and I want to read this uh, this scripture. Uh, if I can find it, right here. So, this is 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. I'm just going to read this one scripture. We're, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the context of this today, but I just want to kind of, kind of cherry-pick this one scripture for the sake of this. So, it says, <clears throat> For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. And if you jump down... To verse number 40, let all things be done decently and in order. Absolutely. So God is a God of order. Absolutely. He is not a God of confusion at all, um, obviously. Uh, You wouldn't be confused if you know everything. And God is omniscient. He knows all. He projects that in the lifestyle of even humanity in the New Testament. We talked about Old Testament and his building, his structures, uh, the things that he wanted uh, men to build or accomplish. However, let's make the bridge here and go to the New Testament and say, the Apostle Paul said, uh, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So if there was structure in the Old Testament on a physical building, there obviously 
is structure because God is not the author of confusion. Let everything be done decently in order. There is structure to your life. You now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What about Ghost. structure to creation? Structure to creation. Uh, as in the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day. There is so much structure here and so methodical uh, that you can't get away from it. So when it comes to the spiritual aspect or the New Testament, it's not just sloppy agape. God has a plan and a purpose that you now are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and there is a pattern. There is a structure. And where do we find this blueprint? In the Word of God. How to live, how to conduct yourself as the temple of God. What do you think about that? Well, um, yeah, I think I think we might have we might have uh, I agree with it, but I think we, we we might have skipped over a step here. When when you look at the book of Genesis and you look at the 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 creation, there's not a um, there's not a haphazard or a chaotic way in which God created. There was a specific order that you see that God creates, and I think that order that you see. Uh, God creating it 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 informs everything else that even even the stuff that 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 you just talked about um, as far as and we're kind of dancing around it the roles that are given to individuals the role of a man the role of a woman um, Paul, you mean they're different Paul yes I do <laughs> I do believe they're different um, a man is different than a woman it's a it's a controversial statement nowadays but um, it's not. It's not very hard to see that that a woman and a man is very different. But did you know that a man's uh, structure of his bones are even different than a woman? Correct. That's why archaeologists can dig up bones that were from thousands of years ago, and they can run scientific tests, and they can tell whether that particular skeleton was that of a man or of a woman. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. But going back to the order of things, the role, the the role of the man and the woman. What is the role of the man and the woman? Well, the man was created first, uh, and the woman was taken out of man, and uh, the woman was to uh, be in submission to the man as a helpmeet. Um, that's even controversial now. When in our modern time, uh, you know. We're talking about equal rights, and we're talking about this and that and the other. Uh, well, the right to live, the right to be who you are, is always equal. However, there are specific roles that when you are in those roles, you will be the happiest because you are uh, performing as God created you. This body uh, performs uh, excellent when it's given the right nutrients, when it's given the right amount of sleep and rest, uh, when it is performing at its optimal, uh, you enjoy the benefits of good health. However, if you get out of balance and you eat candy uh, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, obviously it's going to affect your health. Well, when you get things out of order, 
of which God has created them to be in, it gets unhealthy. Thus, we have a a society that's quite unhealthy at the moment. Some people don't know their proper roles. Uh, They let me um, let me do this. Let me point out a couple of things that might be unhealthy or out of order, and then see if we can address them with scripture. All right. Okay. Um, Things like um, a a woman can do everything that a man can do. How would you how would you address that? Well, I would address it like this. That's not true. <laughs> okay, um obviously uh, the role of a woman is very much different than a man. And here's here's what a lot of people don't get or don't understand. The woman's role is just as important as the man. It's supposed to be different, however. Um, a woman, uh, as Paul wrote to Timothy, will be saved in childbearing. Well, a man cannot bear a child. I hate to notify some of you, but bust your bubble here, but a man cannot be pregnant. He doesn't have the physical capabilities. Let's go beyond the physical and go into the spiritual and the emotional there's different roles for each of these individuals to do in life that are just as fulfilling as the others. Uh, one very famous podcaster uh, said that uh, there's 98% of brick layers are men. Why is that? Well, because 98 or 99 or something like that. Because of the upper body strength, that's just the way God created you. I think the I think a, a kind of tongue in cheek answer to a woman can do everything a man can do would be something like a man can't do everything a woman can do. Exactly. Right. Uh, there are there are things that that both both genders are unequipped. To do that the other is. Because they're not supposed to do the other. God created them for a specific role. It's this whole idea that saying that women can do the same thing that men can do is this sense of equality. Well, equality is not in what a person's capable of doing. Equality is about the value of the individual. Right. About the the when when you talk about a woman and a man. And and that they're equal. I believe that they're equal. They're equal in value. But are they equal in capacity? No. No. Are they equal in um, strength? And strength? No. no. Are they equal in emotional uh, emotional connection? No. Emotional sensitivity? No. And if you if you're kind of understanding the strength part, the men are more are more of that. But the emotional sensitivity and and being motherly and being caring that's going to be more on on the women's side there are there are different things that a man and a woman are very good at that the other is not yeah thank god that opposites attract yeah (laughs) well that's the order of things i wouldn't want to marry someone that's identical to me that would be absolutely ludicrous be pretty uh 
frightening. <laughs> I need someone that can do what I can't do. So we make up a team. So um, very, very interesting um, when we talk about the Word of God uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and uh, beginning in verse number 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances I as I delivered them to you. Are you ready for the ordinances? But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Then he starts talking about uh, hair and uh, uh, authority and positions of uh, authority. But let's stop there. Uh, many, many controversy and uh, arguments and uh, multiplied, fractured myriad of opinions will come out of this statement. And the head of the woman is the man. Now, we live in a society that will absolutely revolt against the word of God in that saying the head of the, uh, of the woman is the man. But this is a proper order of which God put things. You don't even get out of chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, the very first book, without this principle being established. In chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Yeah. So from the very beginning, this was, this, this was the situation that we have here. It's part of what it is. The order of things. And, and uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. So you're supposed to have an attitude, not a begrudgingly or not a reluctantly or this is something I have to do. God created this this way. And if a wife would submit herself to her husband, she is fulfilling that role that God has established. And are you ready for this? this revelation here. When you're doing what God wants you to do, you will be the happiest in your life. You will be the most joyful, the most peace-filled, the happiest person on planet Earth. Because like the body... I gave the example, you're eating good health food and you're eating broccoli and you're eating your spinach and you go for a walk and you don't get tired and you're feeling good. When you do what's right, mm -hmm. you feel good. This, this goes back to some of the, so kind of goes back to the, to the utilitarian idea, the, the, the utility of God's creation in that... God created a man for specific things, and God created a woman for specific things. Just because a woman can um, 
maybe enter into the business world and just because a woman can be a policeman or just because a woman can drive a truck or just because a woman can do these things doesn't mean that that's what that person was created for. And God gives a very specific manual, a very specific, um, uh, uh, for lack of better terms, a manual of, uh, uh, of, you know, when you buy a piece of machinery, there comes a manual. It tells you exactly how it's used and yes. what it's for. Well, the Bible is exactly that for us. Um, I heard this one great analogy. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. Right. So if if I were to, if I, if I had a poster and I needed to post it on a street corner or on a wall with, you know, whatever, and I needed uh, something to fasten that poster to the wall now if i didn't really have anything and i just turned around and i looked and i found a ballpoint pen if i took that pen of yours and i took the poster i took the pen and i jabbed the pen into the poster until finally the pen punctured in through the drywall and it finally fastened the poster to the wall now can i do that Sure. Yes, I can do that. I can take a pen and I can fasten a, po- uh, a poster to the wall. It's technically doing what it's supposed, what I meant it to do. I needed to. It's hold, hanging. I needed to hold the poster, but that pen was not created for that purpose. Correct. That pen was created to write on paper and right. to communicate with people. I probably damaged that pen. Yeah. I probably damaged the utility of what that pen was created for Correct. in order to hold this poster up, which it was not created for. Correct. The thing that was created for that was maybe some nails or a staple or any one of these things that were specifically created to fasten the poster. But that pen was not created for that. And in me using the pen, I probably damaged the actual intended use for that pen. So the same is true for humans. I think just because a man can do something, just because a man can have, we're going to go into a little bit of a, of a, of a controversial topic here. Just because a man can have a homosexual relationship, just because a man can go into uh, um, areas that God did not design him to do just because a woman can do doesn't mean that that's what their intended purpose was was absolutely and when a human when a man or a woman finally understands the purpose of which they were created the role that god ordained and put in them they won't be fully fulfilled they'll they'll constantly be seeking something out you know you know i've tried this i've tried that i've tried this until they finally settle in on the thing that god created them to do and the the, the most basic thing that god created man and woman to do was to have a family to get married for the woman to have children for the woman to be the homemaker for the man to provide for his family those are some very basic things and and and, and right now there's a there's a traditional trend going on but it's really not a trend it's just the basic thing that god created each and every one of us to do our our role is a man and a wife man and a woman get married for life have children and and the woman uh, uh, is the is is the homemaker the uh, and the man is the is the provider that's just some basic fundamental things that we as humans if we lock in if we get into our roles you're going to find some happiness and some f- fulfillment there 
the beautiful part about that is we know a God that can heal. And what I mean by that is when you've taken the pen, you've abused the pen, you haven't used it for what it was created, you've smashed it, you've broken it, it is holding the poster on the wall. But when a person discovers that true intention of the pen and pulls the pen out, even though it may be broken, even though it may not write like it used to, and it can't be used for its original use, we have a God, we have Jesus Christ that can heal, and we call it restoration. He can restore an individual back to his proper use. Therefore, he can be restored and begin to be used by God for what God originally intended. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Okay, I'm going to read a little bit more on this. Can I read one passage of scripture just to just go, to kind of... Go ahead. So, Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Amen. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That is the promise that we have um, in Christ. Excellent. Excellent. What I read on Ephesians 5, I'm going to continue as wives submit yourselves to your own husband as, as unto the Lord. However, the next line says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, do you believe that the church should be subject to Christ? Of course. So let the wives be to their husbands or their own husbands in everything. I want to stop, pause right there. When we started, Apostle Paul was admonishing, follow me as I follow Christ. What about that lady? What would you say to that lady that her husband is not following Christ? And if she were to follow him, she would end up being lost. Mm-hmm. What, 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 how do you grapple with that? What should you do? How submissive should she be? What's the, what's the template? Do we have a, a scriptural answer for that? I believe we do. Do you want me to comment, or do you want to just go to the scripture? <laughs> How about you comment while well, I go to the scripture? Well, I think um, I think a lot of times people would take that question or take that situation. Let's say uh, um, the man is has fallen away, um, and the woman still wants to serve God, um, and I think let's say the man isn't abusive, the man hasn't committed adultery, none none of these things. Uh, that would normally uh, that would normally make divorce eligible. Um, I also too don't think that this makes divorce eligible. I think the woman now, uh, and I think there's scriptural evidence for this, but the woman um, should attempt to win back the man through her lifestyle and her submission to God, um, while staying married to that 
to that man. But excellent. First Peter chapter three verse number one. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. You are, uh, let me give you an example of this in my own life. I have an incredible mother. I love her very much. Uh, She's in her 80s today. My father has since passed away. But my father did not always serve the Lord. Uh, There were times where my father uh, walked away from the Lord, did his own thing. Uh, not to say he was a bad person. Uh, he was a very good dad, but uh, he just did not uh, adhere to the same Christian principles as my mother. Well, over the years, uh, my mother continued by her conversation. This word conversation means behavior. Her behavior was such that come Sunday, All the kids and mom got in the car and went to church. And dad stayed home for years and years and years. But my mother was consistently, she would not stop going to church. She can not, that's not to say that she was perfect, but by her behavior, her husband was one, my dad, before he passed away, my dad, several years before he passed away, came back to the church, prayed through uh, and and begin to serve the Lord, read his Bible, a totally changed man. And how did that happen? Because of the conversation or the behavior of my mom, his wife, who would not give up. She won him back. And the, the Bible uses those words uh, that may, without the word, be one Reminds him of that scripture that says, he that winneth souls is wise. So not just uh, caving or giving in or, or walking away or even submitting to that husband and following after him into the world and therefore being lost. So there's got to be uh, an individual salvation that says, I love you as a human. I will do my best and and conversation and behavior and be a Christian, but I will follow Christ. If you don't follow Christ, I'm going to follow Christ. And that doesn't mean I have to divorce you or get rid of you or no, you can become what God wants you to become and win that person back. Here's the amazing part about that. If they uh, obey not the word, Okay, they, they, they don't regard the word of God. They can be one without the word. Don't bang them over the head with scripture every day. Thou shalt not. <laughs> yeah. How are they going to be one without the word? Because the word of God lives in the individual, and that lady can, by her behavior, show the the goodness of God to that man without banging him over the head with the word of God. So by the behavior. So So the best witness, the best witness is not showing the man what the Bible says, but the best witness is living, is living 
uh, is living a a a Christian lifestyle that the Bible describes. That you win, or or the Bible uses the word "one." You have to win them, yeah. and that's the way it really is with evangelism and. Yeah, you Anyone. Gotta, you got to win them to you. First. You have to win them to Christ, yeah. and that Christ is inside of you. Uh, so, uh, very interesting uh, to note. Let's go the opposite direction. Let's go for a woman that is too overly bearing. Uh, this woman <laughs> was not. This woman was so in submission to Christ and to her husband that she served the Lord and won her husband. It was very, very attractive. Let's go to the not so attractive, the more forward woman, the more woman that uh, she's with her husband and she's dominating her husband. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have that proper balance and that proper role. She wants to be the head. She wants to be the lead because she has a weak husband. Oh, my husband's just weak. He doesn't stand up for anything. Can I, I got to do this. I got to do that. Can I jump in here? Go ahead. <laughs> I think. I think with. Um, so. I'll uh, I'll give it back to you, but but I think um, in understanding how God intends things, the the godly way of order and the godly the the, the godly order of creation. Because humanity has fallen. Now we are in contradiction with that order that God created. Yes. And so I think because the man is created to be the head of the of the household, the tendency, the carnal tendency of flesh of the man is to be um, lazy, uh, is to be one who's not a provider, uh, just go down in, in the basement and play video games all yeah. day. Um, the immaturity not, is just absolutely not, overwhelming. Not lead the family, whereas the carnal nature of the woman is to usurp the authority, to be the dominant one, to be the one that, that makes sure everything is done, and to be the leader of, uh, of the household. So you have now these two roles who are diametrically opposed to the way that God actually intended yeah. and actually created because of this thing called fallen man. Yeah. And so I think that's what you're seeing right now is you're seeing woman wanting to be in the in, in the forefront and men wanting to regress, which is the exact opposite of the way that God intended. Absolutely. You got a 42-year-old man that hasn't shaved or showered in 2 weeks on his Xbox down in the basement and his mom is saying, aren't you going to go get a job? Uh, it's just pathetic. Uh, men need to be men, and women need to be women. Um, here's, here's this scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number, uh, let's just start in verse number 11. Um, <clears throat> Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be silent. Um, that word usurp has to do with the authority uh, acting on behalf of. So so this opens up a whole other can of worms. Uh, yeah, this is a big can of worms um, right here. So... 
So the, these are the type of scriptures that I've said for a long time. I feel like our movement just kind of glosses over. We, we make a, a huge deal about what Paul talks about when he talks about um, hair and, and, and ornamentation and um, woman's apparel and all of these things. We make a, a huge, huge deal about what Paul says here. But for some reason, our movement completely, almost it feels like, ignores this sort of scripture. In fact, there's another one in 1 Corinthians 14 where it talks about this uh, same topic of the woman being in positions of uh, pastoral ministry, a woman being behind the pulpit uh, preaching. Um, why do we do that? <laughs> uh, I don't have a good answer for you. Unfortunately, uh, I would have to research that farther, but just reading the Word of God as it says it, uh, for Adam was was first formed and then Eve, and Adam was not deceived. Did you know the Bible says that Adam was not deceived? But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. So the woman being deceived, and Adam obviously made a choice. I don't know which is worse, um, but... There is a concept here that the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, and he is definitely admonishing. We have to, we have to take this as faith value. Well, well there I was think, tradition. Well, think, there was this. Me, well, there was kind of, that. Let me kind of point to something here. You just said something interesting about Adam and Eve and how, Adam, how Eve was in the transgression because she was deceived. I think the transgression is not in so much that she was deceived, but the transgression was that she convinced Adam— to go against the, the boundary that he had already set. So, see what I'm saying? What you're saying is Eve usurped Correct. authority. And Correct. this is the example that the Apostle Paul is giving mm -hmm. that Eve went ahead and did it without, the, without uh, yeah. the man's permission. And then she turned around and said, This is good for food. You ought to do this as well. Adam. Now, Adam wasn't, wasn't right either, but I think. The okay, we're, we're we're all humans, right? We all have this 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 thing, uh, this thing, this thing called humanity. Okay, <laughs> we we sometimes read scripture very very sanitary, and we don't actually like look and say these are real people. Yeah. Do you think the the first time that Adam saw Eve with the forbidden fruit, that Adam was just like, oh, what are you doing? Like he probably freaked out. Yeah. Like Eve, what are you doing? Yeah. And there we'll was to, probably we'll have to stop and push that cuz that shows up on the uh, thing. I don't know why it did that. I don't know why it did that. Cuz it does show up on the thing. It does it, you can't hear it. Man. I knew that was going to happen. It usually doesn't do it for 24 hours, so sorry. <clears throat> okay. So, so what we have to understand is that we're reading about humans, and probably the very first time that Adam saw Eve with the for, with the forbidden fruit, he probably wasn't very lackadaisical about it. Right. Hey, he, hey, get away from that tree! He probably he probably is like Eve. What in the world are you doing? Why are you eating the fruit that I clearly told you not to to eat? And there was probably a conversation here. Oh, I'm sure there was. And Eve 
eventually, because we know Adam finally took of it, Eve eventually uh, usurped authority and convinced Adam to go ahead and eat that fruit. To do what was wrong. Yeah. And Adam made a conscious choice. Yeah. Um, so, um, how do we handle all this? How do we look at all this? Well, I want to go a, a, another direction. I have a few notes on, uh, but I don't know how to resolve this issue at the moment. <laughs> uh, well, I think, okay, I'll just give you my, my position and then you can react. I don't think women should um, preach in the church. Okay. That's that's my position. Uh, based on this, this scripture and others, I believe that women um, should should do as paul says and um be subject to their husbands um because if you right now there there are are women pastors and actually have been for a long time I, i've heard of old timers say yeah my mom she started a church and this and blah, blah blah i never understood it when you look at what the scripture says about this how how is a man in the congregation supposed to take instruction and and respect the office of pastor if if a woman is the one in that position i i don't i don't understand that i'm assuming that um they justify because of their um this is the word of god no matter who it's spoken by and god used deborah and god used uh you know a prophetess in the in the new testament And, and here's what i would say to them just because there's an exception to the rule doesn't mean that the rule doesn't exist. Yeah. God can do whatever he wants to do. He can use whoever he wants to use. Um, but just because Deborah is in the Bible, just because Esther is in the Bible, that doesn't mean that there is an order to things. Right. That God has created an order to the way things should be done. The normalization of that, I think, is where we get into error. To recognize that, yeah, there's sometimes going to be a situation, there's no man, that a woman's going to have to step up and a woman's going to have to do what God has called called her to do in that specific situation. But that's not the normal way, the normal order that God intends for his church. I see. Uh, I, I understand that point of view very clearly, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, have you heard the tradition of the history of this and and Paul was writing uh, to Timothy and trying to explain to him the order of things because uh, some of the churches had gotten out of hand and had abused this uh, and, and women were beginning to uh, take over and teach and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know all of that. <clears throat> I've heard that <clears throat> researched it little. Can I read one more <clears throat> one more scripture? Sure. Because I, I kind of touched on it earlier. Um, this is in 1 Corinthians 14, and we're going to start in verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion. Now look, he's Paul is addressing the issue. He's not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. What? Came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? 
if any man thinks himself to be, a, and we, we're gonna, I'm just gonna finish the chapter. Okay, what verse are you on? Bit. I'm on First uh, Corinthians 14, and I'm reading 33 through the end of the chapter. If any man thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that are right unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. <laughs> which is interesting. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. And forbid not to speak with tongues. This would have been a great scripture for our uh, for our podcast a couple podcasts ago. Um, let all things be done decently and in order. Excellent scriptures. Um, you started reading in thirty and thirty three, and it says. Um, and this is where maybe maybe someone would have a, a contention with this whole concept. Let your woman, uh, women keep silent in the churches, for it is not permitted for them to speak. Uh, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Some would say, well, we're not under the law anymore. Well, Paul's clearly, Paul's clearly uh, referencing it. Yeah. Uh, j- just because it's okay. First off, let's let's dispel some things. Just because the the law of Moses um, talks about certain things doesn't, and, and Jesus says that he that he fulfilled the law. It doesn't mean that some of those things aren't stuff that we have to apply. Yeah. Just off the top, the fir- the uh, the. Ten Commandments. I think everybody would agree that the Ten Commandments are still very much uh, a part of the Christian's uh, duty, and as far as following, and hopefully written on the tables of your heart. Correct. And that's your your new cha- your new nature, your new creature in Christ Jesus. So, um, I would uh, I would have to agree with you because the Word of God is pretty plain there. So, what is the place of a woman? In the church, we have ladies auxiliary. We have um, we have a class on Sunday morning, every Sunday morning that my wife and my daughter teach. Um, we have a, a men's class going on as well. Then we have the congregational uh, service as well. Uh, what is a woman's role in the church? I think I, I, I please don't misunderstand. I don't think women don't have a place in ministry. I don't believe that. I think there is a, a very, very big place in ministry because what is ministry? Ministry is uh, being a servant, being a uh, um, being the hands and feet of Jesus, ministering to, to the needy, to the lost. So women absolutely have a place in ministry. I just don't believe that it is in pulpit ministry or a pastoral ministry. There's a lot of things that women um, are very, very even better qualified than men are when it comes to uh, ministry in the church. I feel like, and people are going to say I'm sexist or, or, you know, whatever things like hospitality, things like um, caring, caring and and, and loving to the needy and, and children um, teaching Sunday school, teaching even, even the women's class. Um, There are a lot of, a lot of areas that, that if the women weren't there, the church would be grossly lacking in. Yeah. If the women, if, if women weren't uh, a part of it, um, I just, I just think that this is speaking to a very specific area of ministry, 
and that is congregational leadership as far as being a pastor or behind a pulpit. Okay. Uh, let's um, shift gears a pinch and go to this very interesting subject. The church. Let's talk about the church for a moment. Uh, women have a place in the church. Men have a place in the church. Children have a place in the church. The church is not man's idea. It's God's idea. Correct. God formed a church. Uh, uh, thou art Peter upon this rock. I will build my church. Jesus Christ is saying he has a church. And we re- we can make that connection of the, uh, the church to the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, uh, the masterpiece that God is building in the earth today. We make all those connections. So I'm going to read this verse, and please hear me out. Don't throw stones at me uh, too soon. Uh, the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. I did not read in that lineup of authority or headship anywhere about pastors, evangelists, (laughs) prophets, teachers, even though we know for a fact those ministries are given to the body of Christ to edify the Christ, or to edify the church, sorry, to edify God's body. However, however, let's talk about balance again. And everyone's place has a balance in the church and in life. Let's pick on pastors, since I am one. And let's pick on pastors for a moment. I have served under pastors that have been very unbalanced. They have been very dictatorial. They have lorded over God's heritage. I didn't mean to say dictatorial. D- dictatorial? What did I say? Dictatorial. Oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then I have served under pastors that were so laid back and lackadaisical, they were like a hireling. Something rough or things that they had to handle. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm just, that's not, I, I don't like to be confrontational. So there has to be a balance, but here it is, here it is, and and this is what every pastor needs to understand. There's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. It is not a pastor. That is totally unbiblical. For a person to say, or even have the arrogancy or audacity to say, God will not speak to people unless he speaks through the pastor. Can he speak through the pastor? Yes. Does he speak through the pastor? Absolutely. But does he have to go through the conduit of the pastor in order to speak to the individual? I say nay. As these men were so upset in the Old Testament. Moses, these people are prophesying. And you're the only one that's supposed to do this. And Moses looks at them and says, I would to God that all of them prophesy. That God speak to every one of them. 
And so it is very, very important to know that you're not the owner of the sheep. The sheep belong to Christ. He is the good shepherd. Now, what's interesting about that that reference that you made regarding Moses is that at that time, priests were the mediator between God and man. Yeah. But yet still Moses was saying, I would you see, you see what I'm saying? Yes. There 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 was there was a, a um uh, priesthood. There was a priesthood. There was a there was a obstacle between the the common man and God at the time. But Moses still says, uh, still says that. I just think that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there has to be a balance. I'm not throwing out the baby with the bath. I am a pastor. <laughs> I obviously believe in pastoring people. Uh, my job is to help, encourage, to love, to instruct, to use the Word of God skillfully as instruction, exhortion, for reproof, for correction, uh, for all of these things, using the Word of God skillfully. As the man, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch uh, that was riding in his carriage, and the the man of God said, uh, Philip said to him, do you understand what you're reading? How can I understand except a man show me? That man uh, that needs to be skillful in the word of God, but he is never to take the place of the shepherd. He is never to take the place and be a mediator between God and man. That is only the job of Jesus Christ. So there's a balance here, and God has given uh, pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, uh, all of these uh, fivefold ministry to the church for the edification of the church. But a pastor that gets out of balance will begin to lord over God's heritage, will begin to put undue pressure, will begin to uh, make life uh, not free or enjoyable but more of a cult or binding or I don't have a choice in this. You have a choice in everything you do with Jesus Christ. Everything. Even the Apostle Paul said, I'm a bondservant to Jesus Christ. He chose. He chose to be that bondservant. So we are, uh, the, the, the power of choice should never be rescinded from any single person. Uh, they should feel freely that they're, Jesus Christ has come to set you free. Uh, he who the Son has made uh, free is free indeed. So you are freely coming to church. You are freely serving the Lord. And the basis for all of this and pastoralship as well is love. You have to have the love of God and the interest of helping people people become what God wants them to become, helping them to reach he- heaven's goals. So I know I've said well, a lot. Well, I, so- I, think, I think scripture, I, I think this one particular setting of scripture, it kind of defines the the job description, the what what is expected of a, of a pastor, and it's kind of limited. It says in 1 Peter 5, chapter 1, I'm going to read down just a few. It says, The elders which are among you I exhort, 
who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be that shall be revealed feed the flock of God which is among you taking the oversight thereof not being not by constraint but willingly not for filthy lucre but of ready mind neither as being lords over God's heritage but being in samples to the flock that word in samples means an example and when the chief shepherd shall appear he sh- ye shall receive a glory or excuse me ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away likewise ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder yea all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for god resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble this this scripture first peter 5 one and I read through verse uh, five. Um, this to me is the description of the relationship between the church and and the pastor. It's it, it, Paul uses the word elder. I think I think that word is encompassing all that is in ministry as far as pe- uh, apostle, prophet, because he even says, um, "And uh, the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder." So I, I think Paul is saying, "I'm also." A part of that, and I think we would, we would rightly categorize Paul as as the Apostle Paul. Um, so I think elder is encompassing all of those that fivefold ministry that uh, Paul talks about. So let's go back to the order of authority and the order of things. Um, if the head of um, the woman is the man, and the head of the man is Christ, the head of Christ is God. Where does the pastor fit in this? Well, I think the pastor fits in as far as the church is concerned in that the church is the bride of Christ. And so kind of kind of what it says here, the, the, the pastor is a under-shepherd to maintain the church, to feed the church. To, uh, okay. That to, is a perfect example of where I want to go. The pastor is to, um, in this exhort, um, let's see, uh, feed the flock of God, taking oversight of what? The flock of God. Mm -hmm. That is not for a pastor to dominate people's lives on everything they do. Well, just continue reading. I, I I have literally... Literally, uh, seen uh, pastors that are so dictatorial. There are people in their church when they buy a car, they call the pastor and ask what color it should be. It's insane. They are not building a sense of freedom of which the world wants to be a part of, they're building a cult. Of which the world recognizes and goes, oh, man, I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. So there has to be a balance. Now, do I want everything footloose and fancy free and a pastor to say you can do anything that you want to do? No, 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 no. You misunderstood me. You cannot, uh, as this scripture says, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but be an example to the flock. For when the chief shepherd chief there that is a word in the greek mm-hmm. that is uh, i can't pronounce 
but uh, let me hit that word right there that I cannot pronounce, um, which means the head shepherd. Archipoimen. Okay. <laughs> Archipoimen, I think, is what it is. It, it looks like Greek to me. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it means literally the head shepherd. Remember we were talking about headships and who's the head and it goes all up? It says the head, head. shepherd. So the so head of the a, church is not the pastor. Correct. <laughs> you got it. Bammo. The head of the church is not the pastor. It is Christ. The pastor is given to the church as a spiritual help, a spiritual uh, gift, if you were, a, a administrator, a person that comes in and feeds the flock, and he rightly divides the word. He uses the word of God correctly because it is powerful. The word of God is powerful, rightly, and I forgot Quick the scripture. And powerful, Quick and powerful, sword. alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, if you use the word of God improperly, since it is so powerful, it can be abused. It can, it, its intentions can be muddled. It can be wrongly, uh, and, and we see people get off all the time. 1979, Jim Jones. Uh, and I could go on and on and on with Heaven's Gate cult and all of these different ones. Where did they have their manual? From the Bible. But it wasn't used properly. And it wasn't used out of love. It was used out of a dictatorial control of people. And this is where a minister has to be so careful. God does not want you to control. He wants you to lead. He, he wants you to go the extra mile. I preached this just the other night. Um, Jesus said in the, the Sermon on the Mount, right in the middle of his sermon, he said in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 41, uh, if someone compels you to go one mile, go with them twain, or go with them two miles. It's that you got to go extra mile. And so it's that attitude of extra mile. So here's, here's, here's my... Um, Here's what leadership really is. Leadership is not pushing people into something that they don't want, like a, a hard sale for car salesmen. Leadership is pulling people because you've already went the extra mile and you've already gone where you want them to come to. Did you know that Moses took all the children of, peop uh, uh, children of Israel back to Mount Horeb? Did you know where he was before he went to Egypt? He was in Mount Horeb. He was on the backside of the desert in Mount Horeb. He had already been there, and he was leading God's people to a place he had already been. You want to fall in love with Jesus. You want to get deep in the word of God. You want to do what God wants you to do, and then you lead people. You pull them if you need to. Tug on them a little bit. Because you've already been to the goodness of God and you want to share it with them. You're never pushing. You never get behind and push someone into something. That's not leadership. It's not biblical leadership whatsoever. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. In other words, he was out in front and he would speak the word and they would follow him. 
Brother Price, um, Brother Price is gone on to be with the Lord, a wonderful, wonderful man of God for many, many years, highly esteemed in the apostolic movement. I'll never forget the when he said, um, and I, I I heard this in a, in a meeting that we were in, and it was um, so so important. There's so many things that he said that was so good. He said. Um, Pastors are not called to be cowboys. They are called to be shepherds. The difference between a cowboy and a shepherd is a cowboy brands their cattle. And a shepherd will lead their sheep. Leading is so important. And and we even read it. Leading by example or an example you're going where you want the children of God to go. So there is a definite place for a pastor, but it's not, as we read for the woman, it's not to usurp authority from his head. Christ is the head of the church, and that minister is part of that church. And he is also a help or a we call it an under-shepherd, to help guide and, and, and direct and use the Word of God skillfully for exhortion, correction, reproof, uh, all of these things that, that the Word of God is supposed to be for. That's what, the, that's what the minister, that's what the pastor is supposed to use wisely because it is such a powerful book. Now, I've went on for quite a while. Go ahead. What do you What do you think about the autonomous church, the local autonomous congregation? Is there biblical backing or support for the autonomous local assembly? Okay. Do, do you know what I mean? Yes. As far as because. Our movement, especially, has has put a lot of emphasis on. I'm going to try to be careful here. Well, make sure that that's that's okay with your pastor. I don't necessarily have a problem with that kind of thinking, but when it comes to just life, life choices and life decisions I kind of tend to have a little bit of an aversion to your life decisions making sure that's all right with your pastor what about making sure it's all right with God amen you know what I'm saying you got the Holy Ghost just as well as I got it use it let the Holy Ghost lead you and guide you into all truth if you're in a situation and your neighbor is sick, you don't call your pastor and say, Pastor, can you please? You got the Holy Ghost. Lay hands on that person and say, in Jesus' name, touch this person right now. Now, I'm not saying that your pastor won't uh, gladly come and pray for a sick or do whatever. But I think, and I, I, I'm sorry if I'm too harsh here. I'm, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. I think apostolics have push too much responsibility on the pastor. Oh, the pastor will do it. The pastor will teach the Bible studies. The pastor can pray to the sick. Oh, the pastor, he's going to fast. All I have to do is come to church. Well, 
I, I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I think that's been a cop out for us for a long time. You get these convention hoppers, and they go to this church and this church, and they get all tanked up. Oh yes, praise God! And they hear the word of God, and 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 they're not applying what the the minister's job is to foster an independence in such a spiritual maturity that they can lead others. But I'm afraid that we've got this backwards. We've had pastors that have fostered dependency. Oh, you make sure you check with me. Or you make sure you're this and that. Now, again, I, I, I have to balance this all because some people will take this way too far. Of course you can ask your pastor for advice. That's that's just good. That's respect. Honor those that labor among you. I, I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. I think apostolics in general have put too much emphasis on a pastoral role and he'll get it done or he'll do it or he'll go to outreach and it's his job to fast and pray and, and do the word of God. When... God wants to have an intimate relationship with each and every single sheep, each and every single person. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus, not your pastor. Um, Your pastor has an important role, don't get me wrong. But we as individuals need to mature in Christ and grow in the Lord and become what he wants us to become so we can turn around and lead others to Christ and not continually be a baby. Apostle Paul, of course, said this very well. And as a child, I spake as a child, thought I was a child. And when I was old, I put away childish things. He's, he's encouraging us that we should grow in the Lord and spiritually. The pastor's job is to be help you become perfect or mature, that word, mature in Christ. Not not a codependent relationship that you're in the church for 30 years and you are still depending on the pastor for every little thing. You should be able to be to a maturity spot that the pastor would trust you and, 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 and entrust in you some of the flock and, and a small group or whatever, and someone has a problem, they could take it to, to that individual and say, well, I need some advice on this. That person shouldn't say, uh, well, I'm going to have to ask the pastor. He should know the pastor's heart. He should know the word of God by now. He should be able to give advice according to godly advice. And if something gets you a little weird or whatever, and he doesn't know, obviously, Check with the pastor. It's always great. But you see what I'm saying? I think we've got a little bit of out of balance. Mm-hmm. And people are just coming to church. The pastor do everything. Yes, hallelujah. He's my connection. He's not your connection. And I think... I think Jesus Christ is. I think some of that... So I, I, I completely agree with you that there's this sense of dependency upon a pastor to for a pastor to do everything it's think, a codependency I think, it's an unhealthy relationship i think i think there's it's gotten to the point i think there's something wrong 
from that perspective, but also I think that fosters a little bit of something wrong in another perspective in that we're talking about roles and we're talking about getting out of roles. I think because a pastor sometimes feels, well, I'm doing all this stuff, there's a there's a sense of ownership that a pastor has that may not be too healthy. And you see what I'm saying? Yeah. A, a, a sense of, these are my people. Yeah. This is my church. I've worked for this. Yeah. I've I put I've even time. heard ministers you know, say those words. Yeah. And that is so so to, the wrong to perspective. Where, to where they feel like to where they feel like they can kind of go outside of this first Peter five understanding of what a pastor is. They can start going beyond those borders of feeding the flock, being an example, they start actually laying down their own saying, okay, if you go to this church, you got to do this and you got to do that and blah, blah, blah. And you, and you better call me if you, and you know, you see what I'm saying? There's this sense of like, I'm owning, I, I, this is my business. This is my, you see what I'm saying? Yes, I do. And it's very detrimental when that happens. And that's why we need Organization, other men, mentors, iron sharpeneth iron. We need a sounding board. Isolation and your own ideas and this is my church. It is not your church. It was bought with the blood of Jesus. Well, I paid good money. That money came from Jesus. In fact, the very next breath that you breathe came from Jesus. Apostle Paul said, I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Everything belongs to God. My very body belongs to God. Present yourselves a living sacrifice. You got to get an attitude of it all belongs to Jesus. Can I read the next scripture? Um, in First Peter 5, because I think it, it kind of addresses this a little bit. It says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Right. And be clothed with humility. humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So good. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, not the mighty hand of your pastor, that he may exalt you in due time. Excellent. Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. I'm going to be honest with you. As a pastor, I have had people come to me in the past that have asked me questions that should never have been asked me. They have situations in life, um, things that uh, are frivolous, uh, things that, and I recognize there's there's an unhealthy relationship between them and I. It is of codependence. And I start trying to back off and let them uh, have more responsibility, push them uh, away just a pinch uh, in, and try to lead them closer to Jesus Christ and not necessarily um, closer to a codependent relationship uh, on their pastor but a deeper relationship at home. Hey, I'll pray with you, no problem. But are you praying at home? Are, 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 you, are you reading your word at home? I'll preach to you on Sunday, and I'll do my best, and I'll give you what, I'll try to feed the flock of God and do my best and give you a steak. But are you picking up the word of God anytime at home? Anytime? Are you just codependency upon your pastor? It's not healthy. 
a pastor needs to recognize this in a uh, some in the congregation and let God uh, give you wisdom to begin to foster a spiritual independence or a spiritual um, responsibility is a better word a spiritual responsibility for their own actions and their own thoughts and what they do at home not just what they do at church so they can become true christians um so they don't just come to church on sunday and say oh i belong to that church because we need to become the church well that wraps it up uh for us today uh a very uh interesting conversation if you found that at all um interesting we just uh hope that you like uh share with somebody who you think would appreciate it and maybe comment down below any questions um but uh other than that we'll see you next time god bless